a monster enlarged by radiation attacking Japan, but this is no Godzilla film. As we're now going into the single-celled skies over Tokyo with this week's Kaiju versus History, Dagora. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Kaiju vs. History. This is Miles, and with me in learning all about the Monster Madness is my good buddy, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing this week? Hey, yo, how's it going? How are you? I'm doing well. So this week, we are doing 1964's Dagora. And <laughs> I I had I don't think <laughs> I really knew about this movie before doing research for the podcast before i was going through making the list and this is one of these these gems these hidden gems that really hasn't made as big a splash in in the modern era but i'm very glad we got to yeah this is one i i had not seen prior i had think i had seen the name float around but i mean in my in my youth i mean essentially all the honda stuff i had seen was the the godzilla related stuff yes i think Shout out to the Up From The Depths YouTube channel. I think I watched a video that they did on the movie. I was like, oh, wow, another film from Ashira Honda that, like, you know, has no real tie-ins with Godzilla, so it's not as popular. But after watching Atragon, after watching uh, Gorath, I was super excited for... a, a giant monster, yes, but also just uh, kind of a cool sci-fi film. Yeah, I was really excited for for this one based off of having get been able to see Atragon and Gorath. And I like Honda's brand of science fiction. And so and this is a this is going to be an interesting movie to talk about because this one's this one's tough to track down. Even on the Internet Archive, I was not able to find a Japanese copy of this one. I think, Patrick, you also watched the American dubbed. Yeah, so I, I believe they have had some like DVD releases in the past for that that had both versions of it, but I've I've not been able to to snag one if if they are still in. I, I mean, if if they are you know available like on eBay or or, or what have you, but yeah, I always prefer. Well, I've <laughs> since I have access to most. Uh, both versions for like the Godzilla movies. I've been wanting to watch both English and Japanese just to, to, to you know look at some of the differences. And part of the joy of a lot of those sixties movies, especially, is like how silly <laughs> some of the the voice dubbing is. Oh boy! And this oh movie, boy. this movie is no exclusion. No, uh, the, the the dubbing the dubbing in this film was certainly a choice. <laughs> Yes. Um. <laughs> well, and it, it went with I feel like some of the the feelings that I got from this movie as being like a almost a live action cartoon in in some ways. But yes, I it, uh, it did have that vibe a little bit. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it, but yeah, there was you know we we talked about how the influence of 007 in the James Bond films has kind of snuck its way into kaiju cinema. And this one's no, no uh, exception. 
That, well, yes, you are right because they they definitely a spy angle is one that people are that Toho loved using during the Showa era in yeah. particular. Uh, this, I, I guess, before we get into this movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because what, I'm it, there's a lot there's around. a lot of ground to cover, and we're probably not going to get to everything. This may be a short conversation, it may be a long one, but this this is a, this movie's a, a ride. But before we get forward, Patrick, I need you to tell us what's in a title. So it, we're back to titles named after the monster, Dagora. Though, what is Dagora? I don't, I, you know, I've watched the movie, but I don't know where they get that name from in the film. I think they just kind of name it after they realize it is some kind of monster. They, they say a few times, you know, space monster or giant monster Dagora in, in referencing the, the titular creature. Mm-hmm. I think in a few instances where it came to the United States, it was written out as D-A-G-O-R-A, Dagora, but D-O-G-O-R-A is the accepted kind of spelling of the the movie now. The original 1962 story by uh, Jojiro Okami was just called Space Mons, like Space Monster or, or Monsu, and... Yeah, didn't have a name for the the creature as it, they went into kind of adapting this. So yeah, where Dagora came from exactly, I'm I'm not sure. This was a um, Shinichi Sekozawa screenplay, and in reading Shiro Honda's biography, one of the things that he laments is that they did not bring in the original story writer to work on the screenplay. They didn't even. I guess they just bought the rights and they didn't like talk to Okami at all in, in making the, the film. And you can tell uh, Honda was a little saddened by that, but this movie was such a quick production, you know, such a fast kind of turnaround between Mothra versus Godzilla and Ghidorah, the three headed dragon, three headed monster. (laughs) Sorry. Mm -hmm. It's surprised that, you know, they were able to pull off. Such a, a good movie in, in my estimation in that that time frame. Go go from you know original story to 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 putting out this film in nineteen sixty-four. Lots of different titles, Miles. Yes. Some of the original draft titles had it being called Earth Martial Law or just Space Monster. In Japanese, the literal translation is what well, Ushu Daikaiju Dagora. Giant space monster Dagora in the United space. It was, it, it came out as a, as a few things, but Dagora, the space monster, I think is, is the, if you look for posters of the U S that's what you'll see. Oh boy. West Germany has the best title. <laughs> yes, it does. And it's honestly kind of it's very, very apt. I love it when they just describe the entire plot X 3000 phantoms against gangsters. <laughs> And it. yeah, that's good. Kind of, that's kind of I mean, it, 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 I mean, we're we're gonna get to this story is wild. It's great, Miles. Is what you meant to say? <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's, I, I I I I certainly have a blast. I certainly love that it exists. It's greatness. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Lots of hilarious titles from Italy, Brazil, Turkey, Monster from the Great Swamp, Monster Octopus, Tagora, things like that. But yeah, Great Swamp in the Sky. Trying to describe that it is a tentacled, crazy sky monster. 
And, you know, one of the reasons it probably uh, we'll, we'll talk about the technical limitations never crossed over <laughs> in live action Toho films is because the technology they used to make the monster is completely different. It's not a guy in a suit, obviously, but I think it's extremely effective what they they did in this movie. It looks great. Yes. And it's one of the first movies that like you look at the poster and they don't really oversell. If anything, they kind of undersell it on the poster. They they do like what is shown on the poster. They have the giant Dagora monster reaching its tentacle downs and destroying a massive suspension bridge on the poster. And that's like the that's <laughs> main flat. destruction sequence in the film. So, yeah, as I said, they they started this right after Mothra versus Godzilla, right before Ghidorah, which they were still planning to do the following year. But we'll talk about next week. It got pushed up. But yeah, another one from the Masters. Ishira Honda, of course, directing. Segazawa uh, writing it. Tanaka producing, and you've got some great new compositions by Akira Ifukube, including music that I feel we are going to see next week in Ghidorah. That like weird ethereal theremin music seems like yeah, it was used in both. Yeah, it it, it is, and it, it's it's that that kind of sound that you associate with alien Aliens. movies of the fifties and sixties. Oh, like it's that, so good. Like, that, like it's it's great. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's it works better in this movie because there's more mystery to this one. We got that a lot in 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 Ghidorah spoilers for next week with the uh, Venusian woman. And it's like, oh, she's just a, a lady in, in men's clothes. It's not crazy. <laughs> or when they're around the, the meteor. But this movie, there's all kinds of weird phantom stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit to recap this film to try and kind of summarize what what it's all about? I mean, phantoms versus gangsters. That <laughs> well, so it's it's weird because so you, you we're following these diamond thieves. Yes, and I, I guess they're part of an international network of diamond thieves. Yeah, there's like gangster uh, Hamaku is played by, um, or no, that that's that's a. Uh, Akiko, I've got my notes. Tada, I think, is the the main gangster, and he has a number of people working different jobs. Supposedly, it's it's very, you know. Now that I think about it, when did was it Diamonds Are Forever? What's the the James Bond Diamond story? <laughs> isn't that isn't that Diamonds Are Forever? <laughs> I, I think that came out after this movie, though. Uh, oh, yeah, it abs- yeah. Uh, that, that, was, that was 71, 71. So I think this uh, is a little advanced of that, but it feels like it is like right there in a very similar story of like international thievery. Well, yeah, you've def- and, you definitely have that. And then you have this very confusing story with this character, Mark Jackson, who you're initially introduced as, I guess he's a thief, but then yeah. he's also working. Well, He's stealing diamonds. So he's it's stealing like, diamonds, yeah. but he's also like claims he works for like some sort of diamond agency. And his his whole existence in this movie is is such a wild card because <laughs> his story changes like every 10 minutes. And the actor Robert Dunham plays him does a great job. I really enjoyed his character. I didn't enjoy his performance. I enjoyed the absolute insanity that that. Like, he was the chaos agent in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, everything else would have been pretty standard, but his character is like, 
is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Because <laughs> he 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 he's both, and it's it's yeah. wild. And it, this he, story on its own could have been interesting. And I think what gives it the, the movie kind of an awkwardness is shoehorning some of these characters into the greater Dogara story. Well, what's hilarious that at a few points in the movie, they, the, the, the giant space monsters are like a hindrance to the, what is really the a plot of the diamond thief cartel, you know, trying to, to pull off this, this job. And they realize, <laughs> well, there's several points as well where where Mark and Inspector Komai are, you know, say, well, what do we have to do with fighting this giant monster? You know, like that's the government's problem. You know, right. we're, we're not monster thieves. We're diamond experts, monster, monster killers. I think I forget the exact line, but yeah, they, normally in these kind of movies, especially kaiju movies, all the characters are kind of focused in on working towards stopping the monsters in some way, but that's just not really the, it's not really the story here, which is very interesting, but it's so funny because this plot actually seems to be more tied in with the monsters than in a lot of Kaiju movies, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, because the, the monster is eating all of the, all of the coal and diamonds. Yes. In the world. So we, <laughs> well, and also just, I think lifting up <laughs> random people as well. I, maybe they have diamonds on them, but the, one of the first things we see is that sleeping man just kind of floating through the street, which is, well, but by the way, the, the cinematography in this, the direction of Ashira Honda is great. This yes. movie really stands, I think, above even like an Atragon in, in that respect. Well, yeah, I, I, I will say you know, the special effects in this movie are are genuinely incredible for the most part. And that effect was extremely fun because the guy is like singing in his sleep and like floating <laughs> down this street. It's such a surreal image. Yes, and, very much so. And it's a great start to the film. We're like, what is happening? <laughs> and yeah, that's the thing is like the entire time you're kind of wondering. I, I was what is going on? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Like at, at no point in this movie was I sure of anything except for that Konai is a terrible, terrible cop. <laughs> yes, uh, who has a, a penchant for coming in through the windows. There's some very funny quirks to all the major characters here. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the main story here is we have these single cell giant organisms from the upper atmosphere that have been radioactively charged and are now huge <laughs> and they do kind of stop the the main plot of the the investigation the diamond thefts but at the end they kind of like just come together it was a very interesting story <laughs> as, as far I as like as a kaiju movies goes, it's like the exact opposite. It's like we can't deal with the kaiju; we have to deal with our own story. And yeah, so like like you said earlier, this is this is in between Mothra versus Godzilla and right before Gita the Three Headed Monster. And so yeah, it's it's another one that I think that that you know was a very very fast production, small budget, but also requiring big special effects. And they they come they come in clutch in this one because the the. The Dogra effects are awesome. And uh, from what I, I read, uh, they basically uh, kind of had this this prop in suspended in water and they had puppeteers mm -hmm. moving it. So it gave him that 
that kind of floating feeling and it yeah. works so well. It looks really good throughout most of it. And especially having been kind of disappointed in some of the uh, superimposed work in King Kong versus Godzilla, that's not an issue here because I think Dogura in general looks great. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prop was indeed made out of a new vinyl material that had just come on the market. And it, I mean, it looked like silk. It was moving so fluidly. Beyond that, the the way they achieved the sky effects and like the clouds around Dorora was also just really cool. That is probably some of the more successful kind of non-sudimation stuff I think to, Toho has ever done. But you know, one thing even I think Ashira Honda was a little harsh on was the effects where the bridge is destroyed that uses it was almost like a Disney <laughs> animation technique of yeah. the, but it's like, you know, less than 30 seconds. And for the most part, the miniatures that are kind of used in addition to those effects look so good. You're not really focusing in on the, the animated elements of it, but yeah, one of the more ingenious, definitely Cthulhu esque, you know, ethereal monsters as have been made. I would say in all movies, you know, <laughs> think and, about and, how and early he, this is. 1964. Is there a cooler looking monster than this in, in film? I mean, he looks or it looks really, really cool. And and I, what, what, what one of the things I was so excited about coming into this one, because it's it's yeah, it's this giant like sea creature looking monster, even though it's a space creature that is so unlike anything we see in the main Toho series. And it kind of bums me out because I want more monsters that are unusual or, oh. you know, not. I, I guess your dog agrees with me. <laughs> She's a good girl. She just likes the book. <laughs> I I was really, really excited for that part. I, I will say for that reason, I also am a little disappointed because while we do get the stuff on the poster, I feel like the creature does kind of works almost like Heath Ledger's Joker in the dark night where the Joker's actually not on screen for nothing but like maybe 14, 15 minutes of the movie, but it's scenes are so big that it has a commanding presence over the film, but I would have liked more scenes with Dogra just cutting loose. Yeah. Well, so much of the movie, it's kind of like invisible forces. So we see it destroying things, but it just kind of looks like, you know, like the smokestacks and the coal factory or whatever are, are just getting like ripped by themselves and like the coal is getting <laughs> sucked up. And I don't care that it's, you know, one of the, the negative reviews this movie got is like, oh, obviously they just reversed footage of dropping a bunch of coal on the ground. But it's still it looks cool. It's a very interesting shot. Yeah, I, I, I was I was very happy with the the special effects of this film. I think. The cast, though, did a great job. We, we've talked a little bit about the characters talking about the actors. Uh, let, let's start with with Robert Dunham as, as Mark Jackson, a American born in Portland, Maine. And he, he actually grew up in, in, in Massachusetts, my home state here. We're going to see him in a couple of Godzilla films. We already have seen him in Mothra versus Godzilla. I think as like a general, maybe. And yeah, the next time we're going to see him, I think, on this podcast is playing Antonio, Emperor of Cetopia in Godzilla versus Megalon, a 
you know, the, the dying days of the, the Showa films, <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, the get up they have him in, in that film. Really interesting character. You, you said he was a, a Marine. So probably in like the fifties, I imagine. And then he just moved to Japan. And from what I was reading, started up a, like a import export thing and, and did movies. <laughs> on the side i don't know <laughs> i i have no idea either but uh he was a lot of fun i really like enjoyed his performance and and just finding out that they wanted to make a whole series based on his character <laughs> this never happened but like how wild would that have been if he just kept popping up as like this character that kept popping up? i was hoping he'd be in the godzilla series like uh, that character right right I think that would have been so much fun. It's one of the um, things that they, I mean, they do obviously have characters that come back in mm-hmm. multiple movies. I mean, Dr. Yamane is like the big one that showed up in a couple, even though the actor would go on to play 10 different roles and not just Yamane and Dr. Um, Moria for Mothra would come back and would come back in the nineties Mothra film too, I think, or maybe one of the, Godzilla films with with Mothra in it, but anyway, that I, I wish they do that a lot more. And it would have been cool to see those characters you really like from the Godzilla movies kind of bleed over into to one another. Didn't happen, unfortunately. But a Diamond G Man, I think, is how he describes himself, right? Yes. So he's like a an investigator just for these diamond companies, these U.S. diamond companies, and. He's basically a thief that steals from other thieves is what it seems like to me. <laughs> yeah, that that was the impression that I got. Kind of like a, a loop in the third, you know, an American version of that. And uh, he's got a he's got a great sense of style in this movie. I love the hat, love the uh, the suit and and his, I guess, more of a straight man. But they're both kind of comedic is the the Japanese inspector uh, Kamai played by Yasuki Natsuki. We haven't. I don't know if we've seen him in a Godzilla movie yet, but he made his debut with Toho with the H-Man, which another Shiro Honda film, and was also in Akira Kawasawa's uh, Yojimbo. <laughs> and in, I believe, Rifle and Gazuitsky's Honda biography in 1995, he was interviewed and he failed to remember starring in this movie, saying it didn't ring a bell. <laughs> so that that so. So here's the thing is, if you're. In as many movies as he's in, this is a very short time period. Mm-hmm. And also the, the questions asked, what, 30 years later, I could see something slipping through the cracks. Oh, yeah. So just to put it in a context, this was his the fifth movie of his that had come out in 1964 alone. And he had six more that came out the previous year in 63. So I could totally understand that as well, especially this one did not was not as as a huge hit as his next film which he's also going to appear in Kidora the three-headed monster which would come out like 5 months after this movie so obviously i'm sure he's probably remembers that blockbuster comparatively <laughs> to Kidora <laughs> yeah so th- th- there is part of that a part of me maybe he just didn't See, maybe he wasn't super psyched about being in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to see uh, Hiroshi Kazume and Ghidorah as well. 
who plays a uh, scientist Carino and plays an, another scientist, I think, in, in Ghidorah as well. Who else? Who else? Uh, Hamako is the, the female diamond thief who double crosses the, the cartel. And she's played by Akiko uh, Wakabayashi, who, who we will see next week as well. <laughs> it was she in Ghidorah. Oh, yeah. No, she, of course, she's the, is, she's the princess. Is the princess. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure when exactly she was kind of brought into the Azira Honda fold, but also making multiple movies with with him this year. I think in total, the cast was great. As we talked about, we watched the English dub, which, you know, unfortunately, I would have liked to. I mean, I still want to watch the Japanese version. Robert Dunham I, 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 speaks I, I, Japanese, so he did his own right. dialogue in Japanese for the the movie. Yeah, that's why apparently they liked using him was because he he spoke fluent Japanese, so they didn't have to use anyone's voice and have to pay for someone to dub him or localize him. Yeah, and you know it's 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 a little bit of a rarity. I mean, you do have some of these actors who come in from the West who yeah they they speak Japanese and they just prefer starring in Japanese movies and he I think he lived in Tokyo for like 22 years yes yeah so he was he was there for for quite some time and like I said we'll do more stuff with with hope he'll be in the Godzilla films (laughs) soon enough but I do agree with you I think this cast was excellent and they were clearly having fun oh yeah well even Uh, sometimes they seemed a little too comfortable because there were some (laughs) scenes where it's like all right I need you to put up just a little effort because everyone kind of just seemed to like show up for work that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, I can tell, I also feel like Shira Honda is having fun. I think they had a good time writing this kind of like wacky script. And when it comes down to it, you know, like stuff like the, the prop gun shooting the confetti and the scene of them trying to, is- <laughs> I love that scene. It's, 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 it's so it's, good. You put it, you put it best. It's a cartoon. It's a weird, like even spoiler warning. My favorite scene is the dynamite fight at the end. We're just lumping dynamite <laughs> at each other. Like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Mark, Mark Jackson, Jackson, I, I very much felt that there was a roadrunner Wiley coyote relationship between <sighs> him and Komai. Uh, like the end where, <laughs> Kamai gets Mark's gun from his suitcase. They're both tied up and they have dynamite placed in his pocket, his front lapel pocket. And he has to, with his t- hands tied behind his back, shoot the the handcuffs off of, of Dan. Why didn't he just stand up and give the gun to... That would that would take too much time, I guess. But it's- oh, okay. So sit, sitting there, like trying to find your shot and missing, and like I, I swear, I was like, this movie's gonna end with him shooting Mark in the head. Yeah, it's a it's a huge chain. So he had plenty of space to like shoot at himself. You're right, but it, it's it's hilarious, hilarious scene. And then I don't understand. Maybe I don't understand how dynamite works. But he takes the dynamite out of Kamai's pocket, and there's still plenty of time, and he just pulls the the detonation you know the, the they lit cut, they have like cut they, the wick well they pulled the lit fuse out and it's like well that disarms it right but yeah, no he just yeah. threw it out the window and then it explodes right so i also am no dynamite expert but i'm pretty <laughs> sure if you if you pull a fuse it's not gonna blow up right i'm pretty sure but because it's just it, it's isn't it, it just the it's also just like an m80 <laughs> the explosion outside is extremely <laughs> small yeah, also, I love that he had to like throw and like and like break the glass both times. Like, 
Yeah, you had time just to chuck it out the window. <laughs> oh, goodness. <sighs> Talking about Dagora a little bit. Uh, I, I know this is out of order, but the initial design came from a prolific sci-fi artist I wanted to highlight, a 3D illustration by Shigeru Komatsuzaki, who would do a lot of illustrations for weekly shonen magazines and art for the boxes on model kits which is probably where you might have seen some stuff okay. he did for like thunderbirds or other japanese properties that were you know eventually started coming worldwide and we've actually seen some films that he's given design work for and i think he designed the alien spacecraft for the mysterians and we, we did not watch Battle in Outer Space, but he did some work on on that film too for the spaceships. So did a great job here. The uh, protozoa were used as like a reference, you know, which are also kind of single-celled organism, but the the design on the poster for the Dagora creatures is just so cool. I, I, I just love it so much. The art is so great and it it doesn't oversell which is one of the things i love about it so many man those 1950s posters are great but they sell you a movie that does not deliver doesn't exist yeah this no, one the movie is almost as good as the poster yeah it, it, it is i mean for me the like i said I, the, the plot is is wacky because <laughs> it, you have all these like tangentially related characters like you have a six degrees of separation to like somehow reaches the fact that we're following the scientist who's looking into the Dogara incident because he also does stuff with diamonds. He's a crystallographer. Yes. Right. Who we've not mentioned yet. Dr. Munakata, who is played by um, Nobu Nakamura, who we have seen in, we seen in a Japanese monster movie before. Uh, uh, I don't, Thinks so. I know he p- appears so later. I mean, he was I, in Half Human, like the the actor that plays Kanai. We did not watch Half Human for for the podcast for a couple of reasons, but so he has worked with Honda before. But he he's will be in both. Yeah, giant giant Frankenstein movies. Yes, indeedy. So he will be in some some more monster films. But yeah, I, I thought he was great. He he. I mean, he looks the part of an old Japanese crystallographer. I don't know how to better explain that. Yeah, but. no, he 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 certainly does. And I I would have I I really wish I I could have seen the Japanese version because some of the dialogue was so stilted, and I want to know how closely his crotchety old man shtick was to the original <laughs> script because it's so bad. The I, I do it's, it's 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 something. <laughs> I do suggest people that watch the the English dub because the the voices that they they got for them are so over the top and cartoony and there's i forget the name of the character but one of the diamond thieves i think maki <laughs> his voice sounds like this i'm a thief see <laughs> yeah kind of, uh, character and the 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 boss is they, they got a great voice actor for him too all in all, just very fun movie. I don't know a See, lot. That guy, of, that guy was the high priest of Mu in Atragon. Yeah, that makes sense because it was also pretty over the top performance. This, this movie was great. Is there something though that didn't work for you in, so, in the film besides maybe it's kind of because all over the place? Yeah, the, the plot being all over the place 
did sometimes make it drag for me. There, there is a a what's going on quality that was consistently enjoyable, but I, I, I felt like in general that the the plot was a mess, mm-hmm. and and that that was harder for me to overcome in some areas than others because in some spots the movie is super super fun or just wacky, like the the yeah. diamond thieves meet their end when a giant rock falls on them, like like. Wiley Coyote style. It's a giant flat slab that just (laughs) after the dynamite fight, of course. Right. So there is a there is a tonal weirdness to it that isn't present in some of Honda's other giant monster movies, and I'm wondering if if it was partially because you know I I don't think this one was designed specifically for children because it's a no no I don't think it was it does have a silliness to it. Yeah, that's the funny thing about it. It's 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 really interesting. It, it's hard for me to say that like I didn't enjoy the movie, but at the same time, it was really difficult for me to kind of always keep my attention. Mm-hmm. And 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 so I definitely I'm for my personal uh, enjoyment, it dinged it a lot in that respect. But I do think it's a a, a really interesting entry, especially since we don't see Dogra again. I think in any fashion. I don't think he pops up and I believe and, there's a short scene of him in one of the Godzilla anime films like oh like um uh, like, the, the the Netflix ones yeah so I think it's like oh yeah this is you know is a montage of monsters destroying the earth and I think Dogura is, is one of them shows up in like maybe some video games but it's technically never really had like outside of the animated film an official kind of crossover yes you are right uh Dugra does appear in planet of the monsters destroying london yeah so probably a blink and you miss it kind of thing for for that movie and has appeared in a couple of godzilla games uh, mm-hmm. he's in the NES, the classic nes game that plenty of creepypastas have been written about. He it will pop up in some of your character collector ones, like the, the trading card battle. And had, I think the last one was in Godzilla Generations for Sega Dreamcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that one even got a Western release. I'm not sure. I, I certainly haven't played it. <laughs> I enjoy this movie. I want to get to rating it. One to ten on those three categories, personal enjoyment, technical and aesthetic elements, and how it kind of resonates as an evocative piece of art in the kaiju cinema world. I I definitely did ding it a little bit because I think like you, some elements of the plot were a little too hard to follow. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is because there, there is such a kind of mystery element that they try to build up through the course of the movie. And it's not really a monster movie in that respect until the very end of the film, because they're, they're just trying to figure out what it is. But that being said, I think I could watch this movie again, like right now (laughs) and, and try to, you know, make heads or tails out of it. I could definitely watch the original Japanese like immediately. So for, for me, I'm giving it a nine, very high, high marks for, for watch ability for one that I was, you know, a little worried because it doesn't have the legacy as uh, you know, obviously a lot of the Godzilla movies, but this is non Godzilla Shiro Honda. I think firing on a lot of cylinders. 
So I, I definitely dinged it a lot because of the reasons I stated earlier. I, I give it a, a six out of 10. Mm-hmm. It's probably for me, Honda's weakest overall picture. I, I might agree with that as his non Godzilla stuff. Cause I really enjoyed Gorath as well. I, I really enjoyed Gorath. I really, I really liked Atragon. And I, I feel like because this plot is just, it's so, it's so all over the place and so cartoony and the tone is never consistent. And so, yeah, it, it gives, it makes it difficult sometimes for me to kind of keep my attention. And so for that reason, I, I had to severely ding it. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. And I think that is certainly an awful score. It is, it is a movie that I would definitely say that kaiju fans should check out, especially because Dogra is such a unique monster. But when, when I have to think about my, my legitimate personal enjoyment, it, it wasn't as high as I had hoped. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can I can understand that. What about for the technical aspects? For technical, I gave it an eight. You know, I obviously I dinged it for it, the script, but I thought the acting was extremely solid. The Dogra effects were fantastic. A lot of the the general destruction was really cool, and I, I have to say they were super creative in how they did a lot of the, the coal kind of rising up and. That, that opening shot of the man just kind of floating in the air. There are some really, really cool qualities and effects that I think that make this movie stand out. And this it's definitely one of the reasons to see it is for the technical aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way and, and, you know, in, in reviewing it, this does feel like a, a long, maybe too long episode of ultra Q, you know, it, it feels yes. like, a monster exactly story it feels like with kind of something else going on that just disrupts general life. And, you know, the funny thing at this point, probably EJ Subaraya was was off, <laughs> you know, probably starting thinking about the, the adapting these effects into television land for things like Ultra Q. At this point, and even in a lot of the Godzilla movies, a lot of the effects were being handed off to assistants you know, special effects operators. Obviously he's still kind of like the, the head in charge of the production team, but he was not, I don't think hands on with this film as much as, as some of those other Godzilla movies in the sixties. Still, I think this movie is really high marks for the, the technical, some great miniatures, some great miniature destruction and Degora itself was amazing. So I gave it an eight out of 10 as well. Well, nice. Dinging it pretty heavily for some script elements, but the the acting too, I thought was really nice. As far as what, how it kind of resonates in kaiju history, I wish it had more. I feel like we get some weird. Well, we we have a uh, a uh, Vira virus uh, from Gamera, like another tentacle kind of alien creature. But I would have loved to see this fight godzilla you know <laughs> like a weird yes i i a hundred percent monster i mean i know we're talking about like wanting to do um kind of pitch our own kaiju films at some point in time and mm. something we'll probably do it several times but godzilla versus cthulhu is is one that i've generally always wanted to see and always wanted to you know try my hand at i mean there you could probably see it but behind me is a famous monsters of Filmland poster that one of the artists did of Godzilla and Cthulhu fighting. Oh, um, which yeah. that was a, a gr- famous monsters was a great magazine. And so I, I, I just, 
I love the the kind of eld, eldritch design. I like the way that that, that Dogra looks, and I really wish that he would have popped up more frequently. For its the the final score here for its evocative nature, I gave it a seven, which probably could ding it a little bit more, but it's one that I feel like it feels like it should be a, a major part of the Godzilla universe. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like it is at home with the other 60s kaiju movies, probably even more so than a gargantuous kind of film. I, on that note, I do agree. Uh, I, I had to severely ding it for its cultural relevance. I mean, this is a, mm-hmm. essentially a forgotten film. Yes. And I, I hate that it's going to you know ding its score, but I, I gave it a five because it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, the fact that you really can't get it anywhere. You know, we never talk about the creature. Mm-hmm. It, it sucks because I, I definitely think that Dogura does one deserves another look at and is a creature that should be reappraised, especially since Toho is, uh, I think, about to launch their new Godzilla expanding universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, hey, two years from now, we've got a 60 year Dogura anniversary. Maybe we'll get a, a Blu-ray release then. Um, so that brings your score to a six, mine to an eight. So a podcast average of seven. That's the Kaiju versus history final scoring. I think that's all right. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I, I definitely think that it does deserve some accolades, but I also, also don't want to just to elevate score purely for that reason. I just um, enjoyed it so much. It's so, you know, dumb, it, it's so it is definitely one that people need to try to seek out. And I really hope that with, I feel like the reevaluation of Honda's career that's happened over the last couple of years, you know, Criterion giving us a really beautiful Showa Godzilla collection. I'm hoping that things start getting picked up with that because, you know, there's a lot of gems out there. And, you know, I, I one, I would like to have, all three of the science fiction Honda films or four that I've seen that are not Godzilla related. Mm-hmm. Technically, I, I would love to see those cleaned up. I mean, watching next week's movie in the cleaned up criterion version, I, I feel like absolutely this film, Atragon, Gorath, the Mysterians all deserve that kind of care and attention because I feel like that presentation would make it even better to watch. I was about to say, I, I think one of the reasons Mothra versus Godzilla really did so well in my mind, you know, I gave it a, a 10. It's because it looks so good. It that, that transfer for the Criterion Collection is amazing. Um, you know, the same cannot be said for King Kong versus Godzilla, unfortunately. But yeah, if I think if we had a, a cleaner, the original version of this and, and Gorath, Boy, howdy, I, what it would have been like to see this on the big screen when these movies came out in the 60s. I'm sure they were. They really blew people away, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Dagora. 7 out of 10. Also, what we gave Gorath a 7 out of 10. So I think it's in good company there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that whole series of nine Godzilla uh, Honda films, I mean, they, they all deserve to be looked at. And reappraised and you know i even if i don't i don't personally enjoy this one as much 
I still think it is very worthy of kaiju fans taking a look at. It's it's a weird movie. I mean, I know we didn't kind of go beat by beat with the plot because the plot is all over the place. It's a consistent <laughs> yeah. weird chase between there's the a, gangsters and Mark. And there's the a handoff detectives. of the diamonds and the bags all over the place. And yeah, and red herrings and. People keep switching sides. These diamonds aren't real. These diamonds are also not real. It's it's a it's a wild r- ride. So <laughs> yeah, find it I, yourself. I, def- I, de- I definitely would say yeah. seek this one out because it's 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 definitely a, a, yes. a fun one. Yes. So final score seven out of ten, and that's going to do it for this week's episode. Follow us on Twitter at Kaiju versus History. Email us with any comments, concerns, or kaiju facts at kaiju versus history at gmail.com and go to kaiju versus history.com to get ready for the next installment of our march through the annals of monster movie mayhem. Thank you, Miles and listeners. And we're going to catch you next time when we get our first looks at one of Toho's mightiest creations and Godzilla's horrifying Hydra-like foe. That's right. Tune in next time as it's time for history versus Ghidorah, the three-headed monster.